some research find, practicing slow-paced breathing, especially at a frequency of 0.1 Hz, can improve our sleep quality. I recently received a wearable product from this company called Oxa. OXA. It's a sports bra with a detector attached, and it can monitor my physical signals when I breathe. It also comes with an app to help me practice different breathing exercises. It's interesting that I can see a visual image moving while I am breathing, and it actually provides this kind of biofeedback to me. So sounds like they have a team of bioelectronic specialists, and they really want to help people sleep better, manage stress better, and be healthier. You know, I always love to hear stories behind those sleep products and behind those sleep companies. So today, our guest is Simon Young, the head of product at Oxer Life, and he will discuss with us. A lot of sleep science behind their product. Hello, Simon. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hi. Uh, nice. Uh, nice to be here, and thanks for having me. So I received a product from you guys called Oxa. So I tried it a little bit. Seems like it's combined sleeping,、uh, breathing. Uh, exercise and sleep tracker and some other functions in it. So I know you are in charge of the product part of this. So I'm curious,、um, what got you guys interested in this whole idea to do a product like this? Yeah, of course.、Um, so、um, Oxa is is made by Nanolec. So that's the name of of the company. Um, and historically, Nanolec is a, is actually an engineering spinoff of ETH, the the Polytechnic Zurich, which is a technical engineering university.、Um, a group of people that、um, were very good with material science、um, essentially came up with this new, like flexible,、um, so, um, stretchable material that conducts electricity.、Uh, it's actually started, <laughs> believe it or not, as a Cable company, so they wanted to make the unbreakable cables. You know,、uh, there was a gain around the, the copper wire, and and essentially the current could just pass through.、Um, but of course, the cable industry is not exactly,、um, let's say, very open to innovation, so that drops out very fast.、Um, but essentially, what they realized as part of a collaboration with with biomedical engineers is that、um, this material was a great、um, st- stretchable dry electrode. So what that means is that、um, it's an electrode that can、uh, measure、um, electric currents in the body, but without any gel, without any. So it used to be at a time, at least, that that a lot of those devices that measure ECG, etc., needed some some layer that is aqueous in order to to be able to get a good signal.、Uh, but this was not the case with with these electrodes, and they're so sticky. So it's called the gecko effect. So they can they can hold with the body.、Um, so it started a little bit like this.、Um, And then very fast, another sort of vital. So this was ECG, so heart heart activity,、um, not at the smartwatch level because you get the beats per beats, right,、uh, with the electrocardiogram.、Um, but very fast, essentially, they they realized that they could use、um, the same material to make a tape、um, that essentially, when it's stretched, it、uh, you can measure、uh, the changes in in some of the the properties in the impedance in particular,、um, and this can be put around the thoracic cage and. 
um, with that you can retrieve essentially the movement of the lung and thus the respiration live, um, which which made it quite appealing and interesting for several use cases. Um, so the obvious first use case that everybody ha would have think, thought of is the sp sports, right? Um, and um, we actually decided at first not to go with sports. Um, and, and that's because um, when we started investigating, let's say, breathing and respiration, life monitoring, something new, right? The, the smartwatches don't really, don't really get that. Um, we realized that there was a huge community, um, essentially, of people practicing breath work, but also uh, respiratory uh, physiotherapy and et cetera, that seemed to be axed and tackling some sort of uh, societal issue um, that is vaguely related to stress and to you know, sleep problems and to being overworked and um, to being stressed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we really started digging into it and we met with a lot of um, breath coaches, uh, pulmonologists, uh, cardiologists, um, respiratory physiotherapists, et cetera. And we tried to, to figure out a little bit what, what this whole mess uh, was because they, on one side, there's like the professionals that, you know, that have their own view. And then on the other side, there's people that, that teach or coach these techniques. And, and let's say th there is some of those people that, that uh, act as nodes between those communities, but, but very often they're segregated. And let's say that there's also some, some um, let's say some things to take and some things not to take from, from, from those, uh, those practices, I would say. Um, so our approach was essentially to try and merge those two, those two worlds, if you will, and to, um, let's say, take only what works, to test what works, um, but to still be very open-minded. So we didn't want to be, you know, um, to go against certain uh, ancient practices, et cetera. But so what we did is we just implemented them and we tried to, to see if they work. Um, and if they, if they do, we promote them. If they don't, we, we let them go. Um, it's kind of an approach. Um, I would say we very much, I, at least I identify a little bit with uh, the whole Andrew uh, Huberman movements, mm. um, which, which is very much uh, science-based, but, but also practical and pragmatic mm. and, and useful. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's basically the, the, the story um, behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely a uh, big advocate for evidence-based, uh, science-based, um, any practical stuff. And it's interesting you guys eventually land on the breathing piece because myself, I'm a psychologist and also sleep specialist. I think breathe, um, like this whole breathing exercise do play a big role in both, you know, psychological field uh, and the sleep field. I know when we treat people, patients with anxiety, we do teach them breathing techniques sometimes. Right. When we treat patients with insomnia, we also teach them breathing techniques. It's just sometimes there are overlap, sometimes there are different types of breathing exercise. And it's not work for everyone, but some people can benefit from it. Some people do like it, some people do hate it. So, yes. but overall, I think it's a very good strategy to help us adjust our nerve system. And I do read some papers recently talking about how breathing can really help us to fall asleep faster and have higher quality of sleep, even though I feel like it's not just this one factor of breathing, but at least it play an important role. Um, so I'm curious by, you know, land on breathing and do all this work 
have you noticed any interesting data so far? How the breathing really works for people? Uh, yes, that's you, you said a lot of uh, interesting things. I, I want to, to bounce on, but um, like you like you said, it's it's breathing practice is something that that often is almost prescribed when when you have panic, start having panic attacks, or, or you have anxiety. Um, just give you an anecdote for me. Um, the way I, I encountered really the practice or that I started to practice it um, was the first time that, so I actually invested in the company before I started working there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so the CEO um, gave me a, a sort of a, a shirt. It just measured ECG, you know, at, at the time. Um, and uh, over the weekend, I just, I realized, you know, because very reactive, I, I realized that every time I breathe in, my heart rate goes up and every time I breathe out, it goes down. And so I started to do all sorts of experiments, you know, monitoring um, myself after coffee and then, you know, trying to lower the heart rate. And um, and and this was very um, transformative for me because I realized, because I didn't know, I, I, I knew that breathing played a role, but I didn't know to which extent you could, it could be used to address, uh, you know, um, acute stress events, for example. Um, and And seeing it on the screen, like live was very, uh, let's say, um, yeah, it, it made, gave me confidence that you could do something with it. I didn't know what yet at the time, but you could do something with it. Um, so in terms of what we've learned so far, so we've we've run a couple of, of like small scale um, studies. Um, the first was actually on, on sleep. So um, we had um, people perform, so we used the layer protocol to estimate their resonance frequency. So for those who don't know what the resonance frequency is, um, when you breathe at a certain rate, around six breaths per minute, but can vary. It varies with the physiology of people. Uh, the heart rate bounces up and down um, with the breathing. I'm not going to say in response to the breathing because I think it's a coupled, coupled system. Um, but essentially, as you breathe in, your heart rate goes up, and then you breathe out, it drops. And if you are very consistent and controlled, you can get into this state where it's called heart rhythm coherence, where things are bouncing up and up and down, your whole body is bouncing up and down essentially. And it's been shown to have many different benefits. One of which is um, it makes you fall asleep faster and potentially increases the quality of sleep. What we show in our white paper, but uh, I'm gonna say that it's a small sample of data. So I I don't wanna make huge claims there, but the change was statistically significant. We had people fall asleep uh, faster by significant amount, like 40%. And um, what's interesting is the part of the sleep that, um, let's say, was um, increased. So you, you fall asleep faster, right? So you increased total sleep time, was replaced essentially with deep sleep. So um, in, in, in that case, um, we would say it improved the quality of the sleep. Um, but it's something we want to repeat now at larger scale um, mm-hmm. um, in, a, in, a, in, another, in a follow-up study. Um, yeah, and just the one question for that. Uh, yeah. Other, for for the smaller sample, you noticed whose deep sleep sounds like increased, and uh, along yeah. with the total sleep time, uh, how many days of breathing exercise they have done in order to achieve that? It's like one night or one week or like what exactly is happening? Yeah, let me let me give you some some precisions on that. Um, so. The exact numbers, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was weeks, I think two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so the, the, the participants had to perform, um, uh, I think it was 15 minutes of resonance breathing before sleep. 
um, and then at the resonance frequency. And then uh, they had to sleep with uh, both OXA and actually um, the Dream Band. I don't know if you know what the Dream Band is, but it's an EEG um, band uh, that is now uh, medical, uh, medically um, uh, approved. Um, so it used to be a consumer product. Now it's it's uh, it's used for for um, for for running uh, medical studies. Mm. Um, and so we got we got those headbands and and had them wear, wear it uh, as well. Uh, this provided us actually with very precise, let's say, uh, sleep stages and um, wake states and uh, you know uh, movements, things like this. Um, this this is what we use to both run to analyze the data of this study, but also um, what we used uh, as training set for our models to predict, for example, sleep onset latency. Um, so the the data was, let's say, the the conclusion or derived not from OXA but from actually uh, this this EEG um, headset, which is I think the the goldest standard uh, that you can do in a home setting, let's say, uh, and and not bring the people in in the clinic. Um, so so yeah, that that was essentially um, essentially the what they had to do, and from that we derived this this insights that I mentioned before. So increased yeah. sleep latency and and increased in the sleep time. Yeah, I think you mentioned two very important things. One is uh, exercise the uh, breathing exercise for. 10 to 15 minutes before bedtime uh, every day, yes. right? The other uh, thing you mentioned is how to breathe. And I know the product OXA come with a lot of different breathing exercise. I haven't explored them all yet, but the kind of breathing you talk about, for example, breathe uh, like six cycles within a minute. It's a special type of breathing. Normally, if we don't breathe like that purposely, we gonna do a lot of short breathing cycles within a minute. And sounds like what you guys train people to do for this study especially is to ask them to slow down the breathing. Is that right? That's uh, absolutely right. So um, essentially what this, so in this practice, you slow down your breathing, um, but um, it's not just, just about slowing down the breathing. So there's, um, let's say, that's the first, let's say the first target. Uh, when you when you start learning to do resonance breathing, um, but after that, um, it's very important that you breathe with your diaphragm. So, what we call belly breathing. So your 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 belly pushes out when you're breathing in and pushes in when you uh, when you're uh, breathing out. The reason for that is related to breathing efficiency. So, um, essentially, if you do chest breathing, you create the vacuum um, at the level of the chest. So, the air. Just stops there, right? It, it doesn't. Uh, part of the lung is not being is not being oxygenated, um, and so this diaphragmatic breathing, which relates to also posture and uh, whether you breathe through the nose or the mouth, um, helps with increasing the efficiency. So, let's say that slowing down is a way of increasing efficiency, because uh, oxygen saturates very fast. But um, then, then the work is not stopped here. Then you need to also uh, draw the air to the bottom of the lungs, so the entire lungs are. Are oxygenated, so that's that's the second sort of um, aspect to it. And then um, there is uh, finding your own resonance frequency. So, of course, we can we we're working actually on the, on an algorithm that could diagnose that uh, based on an exercise that you perform. Um, but uh, right now, it's mostly um, let's say intuition. So you need to find the the rhythm at which you're most comfortable and where you feel this sort of calming effect um, uh, on yourself and. The reason why you feel this effect is, well, let's say the definition, one of the definitions of resonance frequency would be um, the, the frequency at which uh, when you 
practice uh, this breathing exercise, your blood pressure is lowered is the most is the it's the lowest essentially. So it's it's been shown that this is very very powerful in lowering your your blood pressure actually. And so um, because there's no formal definition of what resonance frequency is, this is this is the one that a lot of people use and that we we are trying to to use as a benchmark. Yeah, when you talk about blood pressure, it reminds me of stress because I know by managing the blood pressure, pressure, we can actually manage anxiety and stress in a way. And this kind of breathing is not only useful for sleep. We do teach people something similar to help them manage their anxiety or cope with stress. So I'm curious, like, do you guys target stress as well? Um, yeah, so that's that's a, that's an interesting question and a very good one actually. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you again some some anecdotes and then I'm gonna explain a little bit what what I derive from them. Um, but I started to to do a lot of breathing actually. Um, of course, I'm the, I'm the product manager of Oxa, so I should should be doing it. But it actually became something that I have trouble to to do without. So um, the first the first uh, use case that I have for it is um, during the day is to disengage. So I'm someone who is uh, hyper-driven and uh, also very anxious, uh, believe it or not. And um, and often I, I get like, my head, the thoughts, I, my mind gets cloudy, for example, after lunch, et cetera. And, and just 10 minutes of resonance breathing is um, something that, um, that clears my mind. It's like, uh, you know, it, if I have all this, I can't think uh, properly, uh, I, I just do 10 minutes. And then uh, at the end of the practice, I feel clear-minded clear and, and, and relaxed. Um, obviously, it's not something maybe that you should do when you're uh, has just eaten a big meal and you know you might fall asleep but uh, but it can it can really help when you're hyper activated so it's it's a good thing for for that for sleep as well so i use it for sleep i i, I used to have trouble falling asleep um, but i have to say it's not the easiest practice to integrate uh, when you're somebody who's never breathed before so i would actually advise for those who are looking for um let's say something to act fast um, I would follow Dr. Huberman's advice, and uh, there's a research study that came out in Cell uh, this year that showed uh, by Stanford Medicine that showed that um, the physiological sigh or, or cycling, cyclic uh, sighing um, is the fastest way to activate your parasympathetic system, so the calm system. Um, it's very effective, uh, and it's it's let's say the way I see it. So it's it's, it's an exercise where you do a, a full inhale. Um, so you're not trying to breathe little, you're doing a full inhale and, and you do another one on top and then you just let it out and you cycle through this, this, um, this breathing technique. And essentially what that does is that your alveolas sort of like, they start opening and then with the second inhale, they kind of like, and they release all the CO2 basically with the sigh. And you see it 30 seconds after you've done the, this, this thing, the heart rate starts dropping and dropping and dropping. And um, this is, I would say, more effective if let's say you are facing a situation where you have a panic attack or you're really all of a sudden something came up and you're feeling overwhelmed um, and things like this. Uh, resonance breathing is, is a practice that I would say is something that you make a habit of and that helps you tackle stress on a, a longer term than just, just the now. Um, it's something that enables you to, to reset during the day, uh, but also 
I would say it's, it's also a moment for yourself for, you know, it's, it's sort of a meditation as well, right? It's, it's very hypnotic. Uh, and, and something we try to do with Oxa is that we try to make that practice um, less, sorry for those who find it not boring, but a bit less boring. Um, so we have this, this very uh, interactive audio experience. Um, so we have this, this guidance that I would say is already something of itself, but we also have this biofeedback, um, not just on the screen, but also in the form of audio. And the reason we did that is because we realized that um, a lot of users, well, most users actually, when they practice, uh, they, they close their eyes. So uh, everything that was on the screen was sort of out the window. Um, but um, so what we did essentially is that you can close your eyes and everything you need is, is in the experience. So you actually hear yourself breathing. So we have this, this, this audio that triggers when you're breathing in and breathing out. Um, that helps you guide your breath, but that are also very hypnotic, right? Mm -hmm. um, we also have, for resonance breathing in particular, we have uh, what we call the co coherence feedback, um, which um, essentially has um, a change in the music when, so we have an algorithm that detects when you, you get into heart rhythm coherence. Um, so we have these three states, we have towards coherence, uh, decoherent and coherence. And the music really, you hear the music change uh, if you go from one state to the other. Um, so, so you know actually if, you do, if you're doing it properly or not. Um, so that, that's the idea of OXA is that it can really um, give you feedback in the, in the moment, which I would argue, and that's something people often misunderstand. And they, they often like asking why, you know, why OXA, why not a smartwatch? Um, and it, it's because if you want to learn to understand how your body um, reacts to something you're doing, it can be as simple as like letting your hand go, you know, relaxing your hand. If you want to see if that's effective in calming you down, happens to be something that's effective for me, by the way. And uh -huh. then you see it straight, you see it straight away, you know. And when you're breathing, you'll see like your vitals are, you know, you're doing something and then your heart rate starts going up. Um, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. Um, and so, you know, this is it's what we're trying to, to, to do is to teach people to control their nervous system. And like you said, it doesn't work for everybody. And that's because um, you need to adapt your technique essentially for, for depending on your, your physiology. And there's also some, some very strange things like the way you activate your muscles and the way you relax individual muscles and, and the way you draw in the air, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and of course the, the, mind, the mindsets, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, I would not say that everything is for, for everyone. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, absolutely, yeah. I'm absolutely with you there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like what you said. Sounds like um, this this Oxa product is really trying to help everyone in um, individualize the stress and sleep, all this like process to understand what what works for you the best. I did notice when I wear that and breathing, I do see uh, a picture. Right, you can see your heart rate is going up and down. And it sounds like biofeedback immediately. And yes. by looking at that, like what you said, I can do a lot of experiment myself and find out what works the best for myself. Um, and it's also interesting, I want to reflect on this cyclic breathing you mentioned from uh, Dr. Huberman, because I'm from Stanford too, even though I don't know him oh, personally. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but years ago, actually, I was in the Stanford sleep clinic we, I did hear a lecture talk about this kind of breathing, basically breathe in twice and breathe out, right? And um, 
uh, I don't, back then I think this new paper hasn't come out, but the professor already started talking about how important this is to help people sleep. So I actually incorporate that into my own insomnia course to start teaching okay. people to breathe like that. But it's good to know there's a paper just come out to really explain that further. If you can send me the name of the paper, if you know it, I would like to check it out. So um, it's easy to do. It's it's really cool for people to know. I think. Yeah, that's. I'll send. I'll send you the paper. Absolutely. The interesting thing is they compared it to other things, right? Mm -hmm. They did this practice, and then there was a mindfulness practice, so meditation, and then. Um, it's called cyclic hyperventilation, but that's for those who are familiar with Wim Hof, the Wim Hof technique, uh, which is a little bit more uh, combat fire with fire, uh, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, they, so they, they compare those three and there's some controversy around, you know, of course, those groups are getting offended now uh, because, uh, you know, everybody's depending their own, their own territory, mm -hmm. but, but it was significant. And I think the, the way to interpret those results is it's the best practice at calming you down the fastest. So uh, I don't think it made any claims about long term or anything, but it's definitely the best tool you have to just if you need to calm down now, um, activate your, your, your calm system now. It's, 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 it's very interesting. And it's yeah, published in cells, so high impact journal for those who are not familiar with the scientific literature. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even though for insomnia, I want to remind our listeners that, you know, we, we even though here we are talking about stress reduction, we talk about breathing, how important and helpful it could be. But I know for insomnia treatment, especially for chronic insomnia patients, breathing or mindfulness or just pure relaxation won't be the cure uh, for insomnia. It's one part of the equation. The other part, for insomnia especially, is the cognitive um, distortions about sleep, right? What we really know about sleep science and how, how many worries and fear we have about sleep. So this mindset change is a big piece, or if not the biggest piece in insomnia treatment. So I think with the right uh, knowledge and science about insomnia, about sleep myths, and the uh, combine with the breathing relaxation technique, combined with some sleep habit behavior change, and that all together can really help us to sleep better if you suffer from insomnia. Yeah, I'm. I'm this is something I've heard uh, from other other experts as well. Um, I'm curious to to hear. Um, what you think of, of this um, for, for people that experience chronic insomnia. So they're a very specific group of people, right? It's not just people that have trouble falling asleep from time to time. These are people that really suffer from not being able to fall asleep at night. Um, what would you say is the one thing, the one or two or three other are the things that, that could be, um, let's say, helpful to know for, for those people um, and how we could um, maybe um, in, include those those things in in, in our products. Um, breathing is not the only the only thing, right? So we do also sleep monitoring, right? Uh, but one thing I've heard from, for example, from experts is that they advise to keep uh, technology away from from the room and to keep the the bedroom or they say the bed for for sleeping. It's not for doing anything else. Um, and so that's kind of in conflict with with uh, our product, which is which is fine, of course. We want people to use it if it works. Uh, but uh, curious to to hear about what you what you what you think of that. 
Yeah, so I would say the uh, the best evidence-based treatment for insomnia is CBT for insomnia, cognitive behavioral therapy yeah, okay. for insomnia, CBTI. Um, and the C is a big part, the cognitive change. And that involves a lot of um, really ideas about what sleep is and uh, clarifies a lot of sleep myth because we have misinterpretations of sleep and that causes sleep anxiety. And sleep anxiety, if it's high, you, of course, your mind is busy, not only busy for daytime stress, but also busy for your worries about sleep itself. And then it's gonna stay, uh, keep you awake at night. So that's a huge piece. Um, so the whole idea for CBTI is not to just give people strategies to sleep. That's actually the opposite. Uh, we don't want people count on any strategies to in order to sleep. The more you try to control your sleep by using one, two, three, twos, uh, the less likely you're gonna really sleep because that's why um, meditation may not work for some people has severe and chronic insomnia because they breathe, relax, do a lot of things and think, okay, now I can sleep. All other people say they can sleep this way and then they cannot. Then they got frustrated desperate and think why this works for everyone else, but does not work for me, right? Am I broken? So I think that could cause even more anxiety and fear. So we always tell people with insomnia that, you know, all these tools, it possibly can help you relax, may not necessarily trigger uh, the sleep to happen. If it does not happen, that's fine. You just you have to allow the sleep to happen naturally. I don't know how that can incorporate into your product, but I think that's the whole idea is how to allow your body naturally help you to sleep instead of trying to control it. Uh, regarding the the tip you you mentioned about from some sleep experts about um, you know staying away from all the electronic device, all those, I would say depends. Um, like sleep is individualized plan. It's not everyone the same. I am in San Francisco Bay, uh, Silicon Valley area. So I deal with a lot of engineers and you know high tech people here who cannot sleep well. Some of them do have to use computers to work late, right? So it's not like, you have to get rid of everything. Um, it's like, you really need to figure out if you really need to use computer, can you uh, draw a boundary somehow, like by wearing an amber glass, those kind of blue light blockers, can you uh, monitor what kind of income information from your electronic device before sleep? Are you able to carve out a buffer time for yourself to let your brain just slow down? Uh, but in that buffer time, you don't have to breathe only. You can do other things too, right? So you, you need to carve out what works for you, what not works for you. Uh, like, for example, some people can watch scary movies right before bedtime and they are fine. Some people, they cannot watch scary movies and <laughs> because that's going to trigger a wakefulness and they just cannot sleep. So everyone's so different. Um I always want to encourage people, similar to your idea, right? You need to look at the biofeedback monitor to decide what works for you. For insomnia, the same. You need to understand all this uh, theory, science, strategies, and then 
we will help the patients to carve out what's the best individualized plan for them. Everyone possibly need a different time to go to bed, different time to wake up. Uh, but when I tried OXA, I do notice I have used my, I have to use my phone to start tracking. Say, okay, uh, I'm gonna start tracking my sleep, and uh, first I need to practice breathing with my phone. Um, I think that's okay because we do encourage people to listen to some guided um, meditation or something to help them relax as a bedtime routine, right? It's just when they start sleeping, they should try to avoid the clocks or phones. It just keep it a distance away. And uh, so I don't think that that really conflicts with what OXA is trying to do in terms of that, because you still need to relax, use whatever you need. And then when you sleep, those things can be shut off. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting point. So one of the things that we've been working on hard in the last, let's say, uh, months is uh, to provide this offline experience for sleep monitoring. Um, so you can actually now, um, um, let's say start the sleep monitoring session and just like turn off your phone, put it in another room and um, the device will record the data on a, on a local memory. And then only when you reconnect to your phone in the morning, it will, it will get the data out. And that's the reason we did that is, is well, there's one thing was is better for connection issues, but, but the other reason was, uh, was essentially for those, there's a lot of people from the research we've done that, they just don't tolerate any 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 of those phones in the in the bedroom, and um, and and for those we wanted to still have the ability to understand their sleep. So um, obviously, if you want to do the interactive exercises uh, to fall like falling asleep, like that's what I do. For example, I literally I fall asleep. It detects that I fall asleep and cuts the music off. And then you need the, of course you need the phone there. Um, but we disconnect from the from the device um, uh, once once you fall asleep. Um, but for those who don't want that. Um, they can still monitor their sleep. Um, and I would say it, it was a little bit um, um, challenging for us to find our, our our place in the whole sleep tracking industry because it's pretty, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty, uh, let's say, uh, covered by, by many different companies, uh, big, big dogs as well. Uh, but we, we have this, so th there's two things that, that are really standing out, I think. Um, the first one is that um, it looks like we have uh, probably, I don't want to, again, take with a grain of salt, that's to be confirmed, but uh, to, to have the, with the next update, the best sleep onset detection um, precision. And the reason for that is, is very simple. It's the, the best predicting feature for whether you're asleep or not is actually breathing variability. Like you can see it on the data. It's like you're awake, it's like this, and then you fall asleep, it's like, you know, it becomes super regular. Um, and, and so you can really tell, pinpoint where exactly where the person fell asleep. It's, it's not a single event. It happens over, let's say, over some minutes or, or more. It depends. You can get in and out of it. Um, but, but so that's, that's one thing. You can really track precisely when you fall asleep. Um, and the other one is, is an interesting one. It's, um, let's say it was more of a fun feature, but it seems to be the most popular feature that, that people are using. Uh, because the, the, the device is on the chest, um, we can track your sleep positions. So we can tell, you know, uh, how much time you spend on the left, on the right, uh, on your belly, on your back. And it seems to be something, and we have like a timeline, you know, you can scroll through and see when you change positions. 
and this is something people like very much um, and and people are usually surprised because uh, they think they're like they, they fall asleep in a certain position but actually they usually turn around during their sleep um, so uh, so far we haven't let's say uh, uh, found anything very uh, let's say uh, groundbreaking uh, compared to what's been done uh, so far but we have uh, we use the sleep position changes as a proxy for the continuity of the sleep, which seems to be a better metric than let's say just pure movement, because like to trigger a position change, you kind of need to really, you need to like move your muscles and sort of turn around. Um, and and we found that this is a better, say at least for based on the, the research and the few studies we did, it's a better, better metric for continuity. Of course, we look at when you woke up, et cetera. Um, but so the, the metrics we're using actually is they're very simple, but the reason why we use these simple metrics as well is, is because I felt at least as a, as a user of sleep trackers that a lot of those, uh, let's say, things that they give you, I don't even know what to do with them. You know, like the amount of time I've spent uh, in REM sleep or in, in light sleep. Um, deep sleep, different. I think this is a little bit different. REM sleep, it seems complicated to me. Uh, I, I had trouble to link at least my perception of my sleep to to uh, to uh, to the amount of REM sleep and it seemed to me like I had trouble to trust trust it as well and after I used the dream bed I also have even more trouble to trust it um, but we tried to find some very simple metrics that are understood and um, so we look at we have this so we call it the calmness metric but it's essentially a, um, a non-linear combination of HR uh, HRV heart rate variability um, and and the breathing and breathing rate to um, there was, let's say, um, the parameters were fitted based on an experiment that we did, um, and and we look at how how low how high this metric gets during your sleep. So you have a sort of a recovery um, aspect to the score. So let's like the, how activated your parasympathetic system was. We have the continuity of your sleep. So how continuous it was? Did you did you move a lot or did you mm -hmm. uh, you know stand up, wake up, etc.? And then of course the classic you know duration and then sleep onset latency. Um, and and I found at least that these are let's say more understandable and more actionable uh, for people um, and and uh, and interesting to to look at. So for example, when something that you can do if you have an oxa is just just take a glass of of wine one one night and and just don't drink wine the the next night and and you'll see uh, straight oh. away like your your position changes increase uh, your calmness drops uh, and you know it's it's pretty clear um, duration might might be the same or not but uh, mm -hmm. these type of, of things are 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 really affect affect our sleep. I have and to try that again, myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you guys should talk to a sleep apnea specialist. Um, you know, like you said, the market for insomnia is quite packed. And you guys are not a simple sleep tracker. From sleeping track tracking point of view, your product might I feel like it's not that easy to use. It's uh because you do need to uh, push the button, do a certain kind of things, and uh, not like just wearing something all day long. I don't need to do anything, and automatically it's track me. So, but you provide something unique um, for breathing, for example, for people with sleep apnea, uh, right? So the breathing is the problem, and uh, also uh, one therapy for mild sleep apnea is positional therapy. So we want people to try to sleep on the side 
to keep the airway mm. open. And uh, so sometimes doctors even ask people to put a pillow behind your back. So keep you stay on the side. I also got a pillow from a company. I'm still using it because I have family history of it, even though I'm kind of fine. But to keep me sleep on the side, even though I know I'm still turning around, but I think it keeps me sleep on the side more than sleep on my back, which is going to close my airway more. So I think your product possibly can provide a lot of support in that field. Um, and that's something you can explore, whether can, you know, help uh, you guys to really make it more useful in a certain area that his other products cannot do. Uh, you know what, I've, I've never thought of this, the positional therapy somehow. Uh, so that's very interesting to me right now. Um, what I can say is, so we'll take that for sure into consideration. But the other thing I can say is we've started actually, um, so we analyzed a bunch of data, uh, um, in particular people who do have, let's say this apnea events. Uh, mm -hmm. So this spectrum, right? The, it goes all the way to like uh, the, mm. the airway closes and and then, you know, so the, the, we, we try to use our band. So the, the issue is that actually when you when you stop breathing, your your abdomen kind of goes up, your chest goes down. So actually the way you, we would have to, to measure it would be to have two bands. So you, you see this, this, uh, sick, this symmetrical oscillations. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what we can see though is we see, so we detect abnormal events. So I'm going to say for a disclaimer, this is not part of the product. This is something we're, we're investigating right now uh, for, for the future, um, but, but it's something we're very much looking at. So uh, during this, this events, uh, what we realized is, because um, we don't just measure breathing, right? We have a highly, uh, let's say, high resolution, highly coupled um, uh, measurements of the heart activity and, and, the, and the respiration. And what we saw is that some events cause stress so you see actually the HR go up, the HRV go down associated mm -hmm. with these events. And some other events don't seem as to, to be as stressing for the body. Um, so that, that's something that we really, uh, let's say that really um, um, triggered something in, in our minds because we, we realized that we, we have something there. We, we really have this, this good system that has that can see a little bit from, from every angle, right? That we see the way you're positioned, how you breathe, and then how you're actual system reacts to to that um, obviously there is you know um, th there's many diagnostic devices that exist out there but ours i would say is is the one that is maybe the least invasive it's it's, it's very you know it's compared to like uh, the machines that they're used to uh, to plug themselves on it's 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 uh, it's nothing but it's uh, it's definitely something we are we're interested in um, but of course we're a small startup so We'll, we'll take like one step at a time, <laughs> but uh, but the the positional uh, therapy thing though is something that we can definitely act on fast. So uh, thank you for that. For that yeah, yeah. Thank you for making a product to help us optimize our life and optimize our sleep. Right. I always uh, I'm excited to hear there are new things coming out in the market and to try to help people live a better life. Yeah, no, that's definitely our 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 motto. Um, we, we really, there is, let's say there is a lack of, of solutions for people who are, um, you know, dealing with, and I realized the more I grow up as well, and the more I become an adult, the more I realize that everybody is going through some phases in their life uh, yeah. uh, that are difficult, right? And, mm -hmm. and often we have no, we have no clue what to do. Um, and yeah. 
while it's not the full answer, like like you said, there are some uh, physiological tools that that everybody should know about because they mm -hmm. can help, um, and and that's something we're and and it's good to get good at it, right? It's it's like a, let's say not everybody can 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 be good at tennis, right? So you kind of have to 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 train a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but everybody can play tennis, so right? Um, but uh, that's what we're really trying to. That's our goal, actually. Is, is so there's twofold: is to understand, to try to to understand from the data lens what those things, those those conditions are are doing. Um, you know, not just on the medical side, but also to usually behavior and 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 trying to understand a little bit the bigger picture around that, and then to provide this sort of uh, sandbox or toolbox for people to mess around with and understand how their body functions and and obviously, hopefully, in the very near future, we can also you know um, have this this coaching feature this this uh, features that adapt to to uh, to your technique and can really uh, get you to the or bring your practice to the next level um, so yeah yeah prevention sometimes is more important than intervention so i think you know uh, a lot of us we do not need medical intervention but we do need some day to day available stuff to help us, right, to just improve things. Hopefully we don't really end up needing medical interventions. So I think that yeah, it's very meaningful. Yeah, it's very meaningful for what you do. So if people want to find out more about your work and uh, where should they go to check it more? Um, so we have uh, obviously social media for those who, who, who like that. Uh, so Instagram, for example, you can find us Oxalife. Um, and then our, our website, so um, oxalife.com. I think if you type that in a browser, you'll you'll end up on our on our website. So feel free to to check it out. Um, get in contact with us if you want. We're we're still at the stage where we're very open to talk to people and to to understand more of what you guys need, what you guys want, and and how we can help you. So yeah. Okay, great. Well, I will put all the information in the show notes and down below in the description box. So whoever listening, watching, will be able to uh, get there directly. Thank you very much, Simon, for coming to sharing with us all this wonderful knowledge. Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening. If you like my podcast, please consider leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcast. This can help more people find my podcast. If you know someone suffering from insomnia, please check out my insomnia treatment course. I use evidence-based first-line treatment for insomnia called CBTI. The website is manbodygarden.com insomnia. Thank you for your interest in sleep science and wish you a good night of sleep. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Dr. Yishan. See you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.